Space Cab. This is Mike Coletta. It's the 20th of October, 2021. Space Cab can be heard at www.spacecabpodcast.com or on Spotify, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast venues. Hey, I'm still ranked number 16 out of the top 50 podcasts about space, and you can go see that at blog.feedspot.com slash space underscore podcasts and you'll see the top 50 space podcasts and this week and last week the Space Gab podcast has been ranked number 16 out of the top 50 podcasts about space thank you very much well did you get to see the full moon the hunter's moon Early this morning, it became completely full. It became completely full at approximately 10.57 a.m. Eastern Time, which would have been 14.57 GMT, and that would be on the 20th of October, Hunter's Moon. So I got to see it last night. I wasn't able to see it this morning, but it looked pretty darn full, and they say it's going to look full for probably up to, up to you know, two, maybe one and a half, two days. And uh, so if you didn't get a chance to see it last night, take a look at it tonight. The Hunter's Moon, the full moon. We've got a drum circle tonight. We've got a uh, full moon drum circles at Garden of the Gods in uh, Colorado Springs. I've been doing this since about 2008. And uh, John Thunderheart Robinson, he leads these. And uh, I'm one of the lead drummers when I'm there. Haven't been there for a long time. And I'm uh, finally back in Colorado Springs, so I'll be able to do that. But the Hunter's Moon. If you got to see it, if you didn't, take a look at it tonight, uh, if you get a chance. Well, not too long ago, and I talked about this on a previous podcast, maybe two podcasts ago, I think it was, uh, Russia sent up a, uh, what was it, two launches on the same day, and one of them was a uh, spy satellite, and apparently uh, this spy satellite, Cosmos 2551, uh, failed uh, after launch. And then some people came back on social media and talked about it. Well, you know, now people are saying that it's okay. It's actually raising its orbit. Well, apparently it wasn't raising its orbit. That was some kind of an error. And guess what? People along the Great Lakes region last night of the United States saw something very unusual. And it wasn't a meteorite. It was actually the failed Russian space satellite, Cosmos 2551, re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. And there was quite a bit of videos and photographs taken of the re-entry. And I've got links to those photos and videos on my Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Mike underscore Coletta. And uh, you can see pretty much all the stories I'm going to be talking about on that Twitter feed. But most importantly, according with this story, go take a look. There were some awesome uh, shots taken of this thing as it re-entered the atmosphere uh, over the Great Lakes region of the United States. 
And there's many confirmation posts um, by some of the experts known on many of the social media venues uh, that they confirm that this was uh, Cosmos 2551 that actually re-entered over that area. Uh, and I've got links to those, a lot of those um, tweets also. So you can see the people that are talking about this satellite that re-entered the atmosphere. But uh, let's say fireball.amsmeteors.org has uh, the reports. And you can see how many people actually reported seeing uh, the fireballs. And last night, um, after when this post was uh, sent out, it said, we received 72 reports about a fireball seen over Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, um, let's see, Missouri, Ohio, Ontario, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and West Virginia. And you can see um, some of those photos that they're sharing and videos and a little map that shows uh, where the locations of these sightings were at. So that's all on my Twitter feed there, twitter.com slash Mike underscore Coletta. But, yeah, pretty cool um, to see a fireball like that. And they actually say, you know, that this was the uh, failed Russian satellite reentering. So uh, confirmed, it's confirmed. Well, that Boeing Starliner problem they had, remember they were going to be launching the uh, second uncrewed launch uh, before they launch a crewed mission to the International Space Station, Boeing, the Boeing Starliner, and they had the failed attempt. It turns out that it was because of valves, and I guess they had a uh, news conference uh, yesterday, and they were talking about what they're going to be doing, removing uh, two of the valves, I guess, and sending them back for... Uh, scanning and um, some detailed in- investigation, inspections, things like that. So apparently, I guess it was to do with the the uh, atmosphere, the uh, air, the air and the water mixture in the air. I guess it was. So there's there was um you know vapors or or something causing you know condensation or something like that, and and causing the failed valves to either open or close properly or, or something, but it's more detailed in the reports if you want to go check that out. But, uh, you know, when when there's humidity in the air, I guess the past tests were done in a more less humid environment, and this is the first time that this launch was um, done. I guess the humidity was pretty high, and they say that the condensation entered uh, these valves, I guess, and, and uh, caused some problems with the valves, and they're going to be sending those valves away. But they said that they're going to be actually, Boeing will be uh, getting the cost, they're going to be taking care of the cost for the repairs of the valves, the problems for the Starliner now. Not going to be charging the United States government uh, with that charge, with that cost, but they're going to be paying for it out of their own pockets, uh, so to say. Um, and I guess I guess that's a different pot of money because they're on they are on contract with the government, so I guess the, their auditors will know you know where to take the the funds from where it's not taking it out of this Starliner contract itself. How they're going to take that out or where they're going to be doing it that's that's up to them I guess and the uh, government auditing agency to figure out if they're doing this properly. But they did say that they're going to bear the costs of uh, the repairs of these uh, the valves. And the problems that are uh, taking the uh, launch away, the launch time away from the Starliner as it was scheduled. And now also they're asking, you know, hey, when after this test, when is going to be the actual crew launch? And I guess Boeing really didn't have an answer. They said it was kind of a, a long-winded non-answer, as it said. So um, now they're saying uh, someone, I guess, with NASA said, hey, we would like to see it within six months 
six months after your uncrewed uh, test launch is done, we would like to see the first crewed launch happen within six months. If possible, I guess. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we'll wait and see to hear more about um, what, what they do find when they do scan these uh, valves uh, at the facilities that they're sending them to. And uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, how they're going to take care of this. Because, I mean, otherwise you would have to launch in a, a non-humidified region or something. I don't know how that's going to happen because if you're in Florida... Uh, there's a lot of humidity, you know, so I guess it just depends on the weather and, and things for that, day, that uh, time when the launch is going to be happening. But interesting to see what happens with this uh, Boeing Starliner uh, problem and how they're going to fix it when the next uncrewed launch is going to happen and when the next crewed launch, the first crewed launch, actually, of the Boeing Starliner, when the first crewed launch will actually be happening. So wait and see on that one. Well, it looks like the Space Force wants to test performance of satellites under attack. And uh, Colorado braces for a drawdown fight over the Space Command uh, move and other things like this. So Space Force is going to want satellites that are under attack, which is a big possibility nowadays with, um, you know, different things going on in space. And they want to know, hey, how are these satellites going to be performing if they're being attacked? So I guess they're going to have to be doing something like uh, simulating attacks of a satellite and uh, see how the satellites are going to function and perform. But that's the Space Force wanting to do that. And also, I guess they're saying that uh, this, you know, right now Colorado has the uh, headquarters Space Command, but it's been told to them that they're going to be moving this to another state. And Colorado's saying, uh, you know, wait a minute here. So Colorado's actually fighting back to try to keep headquarters space command and that's going to be uh, pushing out into the next year also so this this fight is going to go on for a while um i guess we'll just have to wait and see uh who actually does end up with uh, headquarters space command when this is all said and done well i've talked about this in the past um chinese boosters that actually come crashing down in populated areas after a launch of a chinese uh, satellite well it appears that uh see it's a space flight now is saying a Chinese Long March 2D rocket that deployed a solar research satellite last week also tested grid fins to help guide the expendable booster away from populated areas during its fall back to Earth. So they're actually, it looks like they're actually uh, changing up on this and, and putting grid fins on their boosters, uh, testing them out to see if they can make this booster go away from populated areas because I, you know, many, many social media uh, venues actually shared uh, photos and videos of these boosters coming down in populated areas. And I shared a lot of those and I talked about it on, on our previous podcasts. And, but now it looks like, hey, they know this is happening and they're making uh, arrangements to take care of this. So these boosters will go away from populated areas on their return to Earth. So that's good news. Uh, so I'll follow this one and I'll let you know what happens. NASA's 2022 proposed budget, says here Michael Sheets on Twitter, says the Senate's 2022 budget proposal for NASA is $24.8 billion. It says the Human Landing System program gets $1.3 billion, with the Senate committee believing the agency should use the funds so there are at least two teams providing services using the gateway appropriations, the Senate says. So, billion 2022 budget for NASA.
Well, the Lucy mission launched, and Lucy is a spacecraft that is going to be on a 12-year exploratorial mission uh, toward Jupiter, the um, asteroid belt in between Mars and Jupiter. And its goal is to look at, I believe it's eight different asteroids uh, in that, uh, they're called Trojan asteroids, in that asteroid belt to see the makeup of these asteroids um, and see you know, the colors, the patterns, the, the, the craters that are on those asteroids and, and different characteristics of these asteroids. And with that, I guess they're going to be uh, averaging what all the other asteroids in that uh, asteroid belt would be like. And they're trying to figure out, you know, they say that these asteroids are probably uh, still have uh, information contained within them or on them from the very beginnings of the uh, solar system, of the uh, universe. So that's why they're sending this Lucy mission out there on a 12-year exploration mission uh, for these Trojan asteroids. And so, um, but now, okay, everything was okay, they thought, but it, apparently it's there's a snag. Uh, they discovered that the uh, Lucy asteroid probe, after its launch, uh even though it won't be jeopardized, they're saying, their solar panels, the two solar panels that um, the uh, spacecraft has, one actually locked in place, but the other one apparently did not lock in place, and they're not sure uh, how you know what's going to happen with that. But but they're saying that that it is producing uh, the the unlocked panel is producing just about as much electrical charge as the locked panel. So they're saying right off the bat, I don't know how they could say this, that it's not going to jeopardize the mission. Uh, I think it's too soon for them to say something like that. So um, they, they're, they're determining what, what needs to be done next. Maybe they're going to be try to try to re-unfold um, the array, maybe, uh, to see if it'll lock in place that way. But I think they're, they're, they're pondering things to do right now uh, to try to get that thing to lock. Because, I, you know, you really would want to have two completely locked solar arrays uh, you know, on a spacecraft that's going to be on a 12-year mission, because anything could happen, you know, within that 12-year mission. And this is, thing has got to be very precise. When it is when it is going toward one of these target asteroids, it has to point at this asteroid. It has to stay locked on to gather um, the data that it's going to be gathering, whether it be photographs or or radar or or whatever the instruments they have on aboard the Lucy for the Lucy mission, uh, the Lucy asteroid probe. You're going to want to have this this uh, a completely locked a set of solar arrays for this thing, you know, because um, there's all kinds of gyros and different things like this that that stabilize um, the spacecraft. So it, when it's pointing and targeting the asteroid, it's going to stay on target. So you know, I you don't want some array, you know, starting to move and you know throw it off because it used to have an array start moving on you, and a a a, a, gy, a, a gyrations going on with one of these gyros uh, trying to stabilize it you know you're going to be either um, be burning up that gyro or cause you know causing too much fuel to be expended electrical energy expended and you know, a lot of things so they want to make sure that these uh, solar arrays are locked and functioning properly so they're working on that now and uh, I'll keep you posted on uh, what happens with that second array that doesn't seem to be locked in place well China's Shinzu 13 crew is in the uh, Tiangong space station. They entered the uh, space station, and there was lots of video that shared uh, them entering the space station. And 
Uh, now they're sharing different videos of them eating and, and doing different things inside the space station. So uh, China is uh, successful in, in another launch to the space station and a crew insertion into the space station, onto the space station, and uh, they are sharing uh, quite a bit. And I'll tell you, the, um, the, the, the fanfare they had during the actual launch broadcast, it was unbelievable. I mean, if you get to watch the... The, the, how the people are all out there cheering and the different flags they've got going. They've got flowers. They're really colorful. And uh, a lot of people come out and support their space uh, program. And that was shown, and they shared that. And a lot of people say, hey, that's a lot of propaganda. And you're probably right. It probably is a lot of propaganda. But uh, it was kind of cool to watch all the all the interest shown. Um, kind of like when we had our first space program going on with the, the moon landings and things, how the beaches used to fill up. With uh, participants and spectators, they would you know, the beaches were just packed uh, along the Cape there uh, in Cocoa Beach and, and beyond uh, that people would come and watch. But not so much now. I guess people do watch. There's a lot of social media events that uh, they actually broadcast a lot of the launches, so you can watch it from your home. But um, in, the, in our early days of our space program, there was a lot more participation, spectator participation also. And uh, with with this launch of the Shinzu 13 crew that they showed uh, on their pro- program channel, there was quite a bit of participation, as you could see, with their population too. So it was kind of interesting. But I'll keep watching to see updates on the Shinzu 13 uh, crew mission, and uh, you can too. And I've got quite a few of those links on my Twitter feed if you want to go check them out. So that's an update on the Shinzu 13 crew up there at the Tiangong, uh, China's Tiangong Space Station. Well, it looks like SpaceX's first orbital Starship launch has slipped to March of 2022 in a NASA document that uh, Tesla Rati on uh, Twitter has uh, tweeted out. So you can go check out that document, I guess, that they're sharing on my Twitter feed. Uh, SpaceX first orbital Starship launch slip. Well, remember I was telling you about that uh, Russian movie crew that went up to the space station well they've returned they've returned and uh even after they returned they were still filming as they were being uh, extracted from the soyuz space capsule that returned to earth so the actress uh yulia parasild and uh another cosmonaut and her, uh, her movie director all returned to earth and they're they're uh, filming uh footage for their feature-length film, and the title is The Challenge. So I guess we'll have to wait. But yeah, they did share some uh, videos upon the return of the film crew as they actually did continue filming as part of the movie uh, once the cosmonauts were removed from the Soyuz spacecraft. So uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what actually was filmed up at the International Space Station and uh, I, I guess we're going to get to be able to see that, that movie here in the United States. We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But uh, so they're back on Earth and uh, probably continuing to film. And we'll see if they uh, you know, they'll put, put that movie together. And we'll, I'll let you know when the release date is and where you're going to be able to see that movie uh, called The Challenge with uh, Yulia Parasild, uh, the Russian actress that was sent up with her movie director, to the International Space Station on a Soyuz spacecraft mission. And this is uh, very space-related, but it's also a shocker. Um, and it's only being uh, felt right now 
more than it was when it first came out by many people around the world. Um, but China, I guess they stunned U.S. intelligence and military officials, it says, by testing a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile that traveled through low orbit in space. So it went into low orbit. Uh, it made a uh, full circle around the globe before speeding toward its target. So this is, we're talking about a hypersonic missile um, capable of carrying uh, nuclear weapons. And it was launched and traveled around the globe. And I guess uh, some reports were saying that uh, it got really close to its target during its test firing. Uh, but you're going to see a lot more uh, information coming out as we go. But this one is shocking the world. And um, it, it should be shocking the world. Because now they've got something, you know, space-based hypersonic missile launching capability, or testing it anyway. Um, interesting, 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 and uh, many are saying very scary. So we'll just have to wait and see, and uh, I'll let you know on any updates on this one, especially. Uh, but I'm thinking that there's going to be some information that we're probably not going to be hearing. Uh, so I'll just be, and then everybody else will just be sharing kind of like what is being uh, able to share. Uh, but space-based hypersonic missile launching system, um, China has is testing. Wow. Okay, that's it. Until next time.